Folks, a quick message from our sponsors, Know Before. So what's a con game? It's a fraud that works by getting the victim to misplace their confidence in the con artist. In the world of cybersecurity, we call confidence tricks social engineering. And as our sponsors, Know Before, will tell you, human error is how most organizations are compromised. What are some of the ways organizations are victimized by social engineering? We'll find out here in just a minute. Now, our sponsors' questions about forms of social engineering come in this form. Know Before will tell you that there's human contact, there can be con games. It's important to build the kind of security culture in which your employees are enabled to make smart security decisions. To do that, they need a new school security awareness training. See how security culture stacks up against Know Before's free phishing test. Get it now at knowbefore.com forward slash phishing test. That's knowbefore.com forward slash fishing test. Now, no before wants to thank you for listening to the show and I want to thank them for sponsoring it. They are the provider of the world's largest security awareness and simulated fishing platform. Be sure to take advantage of their free fishing test, which you can find at knowbefore.com forward slash fishing test. Think no before for your security training. From the Cyber Hub Bunker in studio, you're listening to the CISO Talk Podcast. No sales, no bullshit, just straight talk. Straight talk. And now for your host and CISO, James Azar. All right, folks, welcome back to another episode of Veteran November. Joining me today, old pal of the show, one of my favorite people, Daniel Sergile. Daniel, welcome back, buddy. Appreciate it, James, man. It's good to see you again and good to be on the show again. It's good to have you back, especially for Veteran November, especially for this episode, because, uh, you know, Saturday was my birthday and uh, and I'm airing kind of this week uh, uh, very uh, special episodes um, with, with some people who who've challenged me to think differently, which you happen to be one of them, Daniel. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I remember this relationship started from, a, from I think, a LinkedIn kind of tete-a-tete where we're going back and forth with each other. Well, it started over my defense of Capital One. Yes. Um, I, I wrote a blog where I was just like, hey, these guys did it right by the book. They got the, um, th- they got the notice of someone telling them like, hey, someone's like in your cloud they've got your data yeah which they took seriously a few days later they declared an incident brought in law enforcement patched it and within nine days found the perpetrator and got him arrested now he you know he still became a cybersecurity advisor uh the CISO did yeah. but but i was like you, this is like it was a really good thing that they did like it was perfect incident response yeah yeah, and I, I think uh, the fact that we could have a conversation without screaming at each other, uh, you know, really helped to that. It was it was a fantastic, uh, fantastic experience for me, and I know for you because we had such a good time. We did. Um, so <laughs> it's but, it's, but it's we have to be cognizant of time because you're trying to keep this thirty minutes, and we can go yeah. On, so. I, don't, I don't want to go into so so veteran november um this series for those tuning in for the first time if if you're watching this because you see daniel and you know you want to be like oh hey daniel great great podcast um i've decided to dedicate the entire month of november to our veterans and uh bring their stories of how they transitioned from military to to private industry to private life and talk a little bit about their transition essentially create a library for active duty 
military guys or people who are retired and looking to break into InfoSec and give them a place where they can go and meet and talk to their brothers and sisters who are in the industry who can help them break into it. Um, And so, Daniel, just for our audience to know a little bit about, you know, we all see all the patches behind you. We love them. Um, But but tell us a little bit about your time in the service and and what you did. Sure. Uh, So I was in IT starting about the age of 15, I was building computers for a now defunct company in Atlanta called Grant Computer. Um, by the time I was, I went to uh, Southern Polytech, and at that point, I didn't know what I was doing in my life. And my dad, who's who's an Air Force veteran, was like, you need to join the Air Force. And I was like, well, no, I'm not going to follow in your footsteps because <laughs> let me try something different. And uh, so I ended up going to the U.S. Army, and uh, this was 1994, and... Uh, when I went in, I went as a 62 Bravo, which is now a field surgeon. They've redone all the MLSs. It's kind of weird. I'm not a field surgeon, never claimed to be, but it was a heavy construction equipment repair. I had had some uh, interesting adventures in my life that <laughs> precluded me from getting what I wanted within the first year. So uh, fast forward, went through background check for, for my secret clearance and everything else. Um, got stationed in in Baumholder, Germany, they call it the rock. And it, I'll just tell this short story. I showed up to Baumholder in a t-shirt pair, pair of shorts and flip flops. And it went from being a beautiful sunny day to foggy, to snow, to rain, back to fog, back to snow, back to sun in the course of about 45 minutes. And at that point I'm like, I'm not in Kansas anymore, especially for being a Georgia boy. Right. <laughs> so, uh, in, in Baumholder, Germany, I was with the 47th, uh, Ford Support Battalion. We deployed to several places, Macedonia, Bosnia, um, Kosovo. Uh, I was on the Bosnian deployment, uh, was at Camp Bedrock for the better part of nine months with the, uh, second brigade combat team. And while we were there, um, part of our, part of our equipment, uh, failed. And they were asking if, you know, they didn't have any techs or anything. I'm like, listen, I've been building networks and computers for years. The Army was dumb enough to make me a mechanic. But if you want me to fix this, I can fix it for you. So uh, I actually helped out and rebuilt one of their NT servers <laughs> and did a side-by-side install. And, and I got notice from, from the battalion commander. And so um, around 99, I got... Uh, transferred to Fort Hood, Texas to be part of the 4th Infantry Division. And uh, I was with 204th uh, at Fort Hood, and uh, my outgoing colonel basically called my incoming colonel and said, if you have a ISSO, which was the technical term is the Information System Security Officer, but in reality, it's anybody that truly knows about computers that wants to deal with the, uh, at, at that time, DITSCAP and, and the computer systems and maintaining them. Uh, so I actually became um, uh, attached to, at the time, Captain Smith as his personal valet, as well as the ISSO, because the ISSO for the company reported into the captain. And then they're like, well, this isn't enough work for you, so we're also going to make you the unit armor and weapon specialist. So I spent time there. Uh, I got out in August of 2000. And one of my biggest fears, and I had heard it from so many different people that had left the military, was all these guys are leaving the military and they don't know how to deal with the civilian life and they, they 
fail and they come back and then they just kind of give up and it, it, it becomes, you know, they become career mil. Yeah, exactly. Um, speaking of cycles, the main reason I actually left is, uh, there's this thing in the army called the death loop, which is you end up going from Fort hood over to Korea, back to Fort hood, back to Korea. And that's how you spend the rest of your military time. And seeing Korea was a hardship tour. And I was a young, young married specialist at the time. Um, yeah, I didn't want to, didn't want to have every other three years being a hardship tour without family. So I decided at that point in '96 uh, to get out, but I was scared to death that I wasn't going to be successful. And so, in between ranges and fixing computers and fixing guns and you know in the arms room doing the maintenance and stuff, um, b- because I had a background already from building computers and building networks in Atlanta when I was younger, uh, I decided to study for my CISSP that way. Not my CISSP at that point is the MCSE. Uh, Microsoft Certified Security Engineer. And so I went through and spent my free time just kind of boning up and getting, doing a lot more hands-on, doing a lot of the book work and, and bettering myself. And I think that's one thing I tell people all the time when they're like, hey, my kid wants to go in the military. And I'm like, if you want me to talk to them, I will. But here's the one thing I wish somebody had told me is, One, never believe what the recruiter tells you because they're looking to fill what they need to fill. Two, if you're going to get a job or an MOS in the military, make sure that it has a civilian equivalent, right? So a parachute packer in the civilian world probably doesn't have that that much of an equivalent. And if there is, they're not going to be, it's not going to be an abundant job, right? So uh, that's the advice that that I typically give most people. Um, but for those that are in the military that are looking to get into uh, cybersecurity and whatnot, I'll tell you, it's, I spent so much time at that point just hacking around. Uh, you know, we didn't have cable modems with firewalls behind them. And I used to go in and look at people's pictures on the internet, actually on their computers. And then before I left, I would change the registry settings so a banner would show up saying, hey, your computer's been, been, you know, I, I've been in your computer. Here's how I did and here's how you fix it. So that was pre my CISSP and actually being in security. So, but I guess my point is I spent a lot of time learning. Well, I mean, that's that's the military, right? In in the military, if you're not learning, you're you're probably not going to stay on for much longer. You're probably headed out the door, or I you're mean, staying in the same place for the rest of your career. Yeah, right. You're going to stay in the same rank, same place for the rest of your career. Which, by the yeah. way, if you're like an E three or an E four, it, it absolutely sucks because you do all the grunt work, um, <laughs> and and you hope at one point you can kick it down to the E ones and E twos, but. The, the, that's yeah. a whole other uh, aspect to it. Um, you talked a little bit about being scared to death. That's very true for a lot of people, right? They're they're very terrified when they leave the service. They're kind of not sure where to go. And you talked about kind of that cycle of leaving, taking that six-month vacation and being a civilian. And then you end up either re-enlisting and you don't find yourself in the civilian world. Some people... F- everything falls apart for them. Other people, you know, get into alcohol, drug abuse. You know, we obviously know that the, st- the statistic of 22 a day, which is, you know, yeah. 
alarming for a lot of us. Yeah, veteran veteran suicide. Talk a little bit about what you did to overcome some of those fears. What what, what was what was kind of that feeling at the beginning, and then and then what'd you do to really tackle it and and be able to to really get over it? So, you know, one of, one of the reasons that that those that are departing the military or leaving the military are tend to be like fearful of because it's an unknown, right? You ha- you've had a super structured uh two four six twelve however, however many years you were in regiment you knew you woke up at this time you were going to do this and every single day you knew exactly what you're doing to i am now leaving and i have to figure out what i'm going to a do with my time but also be what i'm going to do as a profession right and maybe for some of those it, it was that hey i picked the wrong mos because there is no civilian equivalent equivalent of it. But I think the biggest fear is, you know, the military mindset is, you know, complete mission, whatever, whatever the cost, whatever, you know, the factors adapt, overcome complete mission. And so, you know, in my mind, and I know several people's mind is like, what if I can't be successful in this mission of the transition, right? And it's that unknown that typically gets folks. And my advice is very simple. If you don't have a plan, you plan to fail. Right. Even if it is a short term six month plan of I'm going to spend so many hours, you know, looking for a job or my first advice is try and find a job while you're in. It's just like in the civilian world. It's easier to find a job when you have a job. Once those stresses start kicking in because you don't have that safety net or you don't have a place to land that, you know, the drinking, the late nights, the stress, all that stuff kicks in. And the second piece of advice is, you know, it's very much like when you have a giant problem in front of you, you know, the adage of how do you eat an elephant? It's one piece at a time. Take the big issues that you have and break it down to their base components. Start overcoming those. And soon enough, you know, you kind of hit the halfway mark and then it's just downhill from there. But so many people see, you know, the transition to civilian life as being this, this monumental thing especially if they haven't done the pre-work, they haven't bettered themselves, or they haven't landed a job prior to going in or filled the funnel with possible, you know, interviews and potential. And I can't imagine leaving the military now with COVID and the, the amount of unemployment in the job market and everything else. It's got to be a daunting task. So, uh, yeah, my advice is, you know, have a plan, even if it's the most rudimentary plan of, I plan on doing X, Y, and Z the first month, you know, as you're going through that, build on that plan because, um, and then if something is that you feel is so insurmountable that you can't get over it, eat the elephant one piece at a time, make sure that, you know, there are manageable pieces, those smaller or micro goals, you knock those out. It does two things. A, it helps to deal with the problem, but it also boosts your confidence because you're completing that mission, right? And don't be afraid to ask people for help. That's one of our biggest downfalls just as as human beings, but also in, in the military, we're too proud to ask for help sometimes. And sometimes the problem is bigger than you and I, and we need that third person or that fourth or fifth or hundredth per- person to help us out. And the military has a ton of resources for, you know, uh, veterans that are, ETSing, 
or military members that are ETSing. If you're not taking advantage of those resources, even something as simple as writing a resume in a professional manner and taking the vernacular out that you have in the military and turning it into a civilian equivalent does wonders. I can't tell you enough how many people have sent me resumes and you could just, without knowing their military background, you can read that, read that resume and it looks like they're applying for another job in the military rather than in the civilian world. And I've actually sat down with several veterans that have sent me their resumes and I've given them feedback and, and had phone conversations. Actually, I invited one to come into my office pre-COVID and we went through his resume and redlined the resume and I explained the structure and what you know, the civilian equivalents were and everything else. And at that time, I believe that maybe he didn't go to the same classes and, you know, that I went through, but that was quite some time ago. But yeah, everything was just, you know, military jar jargon and vernacular. So you do have to kind of transition those. Uh, there is uh, job placement within the military. They have these, these fairs for, um, I remember, I think it was Verizon and, and a few of the telcos and stuff had come in. Um, and I interviewed with some of them for, uh, for positions that they had open. And that's when I realized I'm like, well, you know, you know, military is completely di different than civilian. And there's some things that I got to work on. And that's another part of it is if there are, you have to be extremely cognizant of what your weaknesses are as far as your skill set and identify where you can improve and improve upon them because nobody else is going to do it for you. You have to take it upon yourself and rely on the veteran community. It's amazing. And I mean, absolutely amazing how many veterans are within it, let alone cybersecurity. I mean, just within, just within my circles, we got Ken Foster who you either interviewed or are going to be interviewing here pretty soon. Right. He's a Navy veteran. Uh, my boss is a retired Navy veteran that ran the crypto program for the Navy for the longest time. Everything from Navy SEALs. I got a buddy of mine, Troy, who's, you know, former SEAL Team 2. I've got PJs. I've got Marines. Literally every branch of the service that are either in the space that you're in or have been in the space that you're in. And they've all helped each other at some point in time. So absolutely, you know get to know the veteran community and and you know we met on linkedin but it's funny enough if you go on linkedin and you look at within the it space and and kind of start looking for vets and stuff i know how many times i've gotten a cold hit from from somebody who is like hey i'm getting out i need help um and i've actually dropped what i was doing to help out another a fellow service member or vet you know, um, it's a tight knit community and, you know, we all have had different struggles, you know, pre and post service that I don't think there's a vet in the world that wouldn't bend over backwards to help out another service member or, or a veteran. Well, cut down your adjustment time, right? Cause the adjustment times, the, like you, if it took us two years, we want it to take you two months, right? Cause it's just like. You don't want to waste two years struggling, digging through the mud that we dug through because it's a lot more challenging to do that, I think, than um, there's a lot of wisdom out there and, and a lot of different people that are willing to help. And it's just a matter of tapping into it and just being proactive, right? No one's going to know you're leaving until you let us know you're leaving. And no one's going to let us know where yeah. you're going until you tell us what you want to do. Um, 
when you look at the 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 difficult part of the transition but actually being in your first civilian job did you do the dic where where, did you transition out into the dic or did you go directly into the private market i went directly in the private market so my first job coming out of the military was for cox communication as a desktop support analyst and that was easy for me because i'd done the pre-work with the mcse uh, I sat down. I, I'll never forget uh, the lady that interviewed me. Her name is Lisa Destunes. Fantastic lady. Still keep up with her today. But she, you know, she asked me, "Hey, this basic troubleshooting question," and I dove into the weeds. I'm like, "Oh, I would do this. I would do this. I would do this." And she's like, "Hold on. So, let's say they said that you know this cable. Are you going to check the? I'm like, "Oh yeah, the first thing. Check whether you know." So, and. It, it was funny because I thought I was like uber, uber smart because I had all this stuff. But even like the basics of that, uh, I needed help on. But I got I got the interview there past that. And then, you know, I was still doing doing stuff on the side in security and especially a lot of research. And so I think it was Code Red or Nimda, one of those Code Red, I think it was when that hit. I knew exactly how to deal with it because I'd been studying up and everything else. And I took the initiative to kind of you know, tell our VP of, of IT, hey, this is this is what you need to do as far as a plan. And they actually follow through with it. And they're like, you seem to know a lot about this. I'm like, well, I, this is what I do for fun, you know, and it turned into a career. And it's just something that, that you're passionate about, especially within security, whether it's IT, whether you're passionate about whatever. Um, Governance, risk compliance any of those yeah any of those i mean one of the big questions i always get from veterans is i was a combat guy i was a mechanic i was whatever i was a mechanic yeah i mean my dad was a mechanic in the israeli military so i mean it's and then they want to trans well how can i get into cyber because i really want to get into cyber and i go well have you done any research on your own like don't wait to go get the cert Start invest like there's a ton of free YouTube content out there. Just start yeah. watching, listening, you know, experiment on your own house. Don't be afraid to like oh, absolutely. unplug your Xfinity modem and start messing around with it and, and, and building subsequent networks and masking IPs and 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 you know, if you're brave enough, go find a company that's going out of business, buy one of their servers. You know, and start messing around with it. Like having worked for an internet provider, I'm going to go ahead and advise you not to mess with your DOCSIS settings on your cable modem because they do look for that. So, just another. So, so, so here, here's a little tip from someone on the inside: don't, don't do that. <laughs> what do they do? Do they just cancel you right then and there? Uh, they send you a nasty, nasty gram, and then they reprovision your modem. And if you do it again, they just cut you off completely. That's funny. That's um, what happened to freedom of communication. Does that even yeah. exist anymore? You know what happens is is you do what I did. Uh, I wasn't a Cox customer. I was another local Georgia customer. So yeah, when you when you hack your your Doxis modem and you basically create an internet outage except for your house, it becomes real easy to track you down. Oh yeah, that, that that's definitely that. You know, I'm lucky. They built a electrical substation behind my house. Um, interference and, must be awesome. Forget interference. They 
in the substation um, they put in a fiber optic line and the first exit point to that fiber optic line into our subdivision is this house yeah son i've got amazing internet now amazing i am like first person down line for their fiber optic it's it's great. not gonna lie I, I, i'm a bit jealous in the fact that i live north of atlanta and in, in quote unquote the sticks um yeah i couldn't get fiber to my house even if i like paid top dollar can't do it yeah it's it's amazing um i run three machines down here like nothing literally i i do hit my like data limit like it's never unlimited data right no it's never unlimited data but they cap you meaning they don't cap you but they cap you on how much they charge you yeah so once you exceed it it's like you know ten dollars whatever but you know where i have two kids under 10 that have iphones ipads computers and they love to stream on pretty much every device that's in this house and i'm like how do we go through five gigs of data it happens almost monthly so i feel your pain oh yeah definitely i i I go through that just on the podcast in a week sometimes (laughs) (laughs) well this month is gonna be a banner month for you it, it is, but I, I love it. I love every minute of it, of doing these episodes. You know, we're nearly almost out of time, but I kind of want to ask you for, for a little bit of wisdom. You're, you're a deputy CISO, you know, uh, in a very uh, top-notch leading organization. You've gone through You've gone through a lot. What are some of the tips you would give veterans as they get out go into the private market how how would you what what would you share as kind of like your three takeaways like do these and you'll be your transition will be good so number one take takeaways never stop learning be hyper critical of yourself and a where where your limitations are and how you can overcome those um, be hypercritical of yourself of where your weaknesses are and bolster those and learn and never stop learning. That's that's first. The second one is do not be afraid to ask for help from other veterans, from fa- friends, from family. That's part of networking, right? But you have a special network, which is the veteran network. So tap into that. Once again, I don't know a single vet that won't help out another vet, especially if they're in that market or they they may know others that are in the industry that you're trying to get into. I mean, I think I've got like 3,000 or 4,000 people on LinkedIn that are across the world and different industries. If I can't find something for you, I dang no, I know somebody who can. Um, and finally, you know, it's one of those kind of chicken and egg things. You got to have experience to, you know, <laughs> you got to have experience to, to get into anything, right? Um, I think setting reasonable expectations and being able to understand that, you know, if you're not coming from cyber, if you're not coming into that into that world, the first job out of the gate isn't going to be, you know, the, the six-figure engineering job unless you've had that experience before in the military, Set your expectations reasonably. You're you will get a good job in IT and within security, and it'll pay well. Uh, it might not be what you want, but at the same time, um, I don't know how many times, and I don't know if you've, I know you've dealt with this, where if you embellish 
aka lie on your resume it's super 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 easy to find that what's really difficult is coming back from that okay so that kind of goes into my previous ones of make sure you know what your strengths and weaknesses are make sure that for anything that you need to bolster and make stronger as far as your skills are concerned that you've done that prep work and yeah tap, tap the network so yeah tap the network definitely um almost out of time i'm so happy that we're actually staying within our parameter for those who don't know like we can get i was expecting at least two hours right like like the first time we went like an hour and 50 minutes i think it was yeah like it felt like a joe rogan podcast and we didn't even get tired it was just like okay it's friday afternoon so we gotta go home so Um, that's what happens when you get two people that are highly add and extremely (laughs) outgoing uh on a call together It, it could last for hours yes it can so daniel what's one thing you miss about your time in the military you know it's that camaraderie that is free to core adventures. I mean, uh, it, it's funny because I get asked all the time, you know, would you do it again? And I always say in a heartbeat, in an absolute heartbeat. It's the brothers and sisters that, that you form a bond with, that have your back, and, you know, that you can rely on. It's the joking around. I hate to say it, but, like, one of the, you know, just the, the hilarity and the dark humor that comes out of stressful situations it, you, I, I still tell tell stories to this day, which are not appropriate for this podcast. But I still tell stories to this day of of some of the the craziness that that we went through in the military. You know, um, so yeah, it's 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 definitely that camaraderie. It's it, the the strength that you build through through um, adverse situations is, I mean, it's life changing. So, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll second that. Everyone has said that. That's why on November 30th at six o'clock Eastern time, we're doing a veteran only um, non aired hangout with your favorite um, spicy beverage or caffeinated beverage, the beverage of your choice. I know some of us don't drink. I personally am a bourbon scotch whiskey kind of guy. I know Daniel is, too. And so no, no wonder you and Ken get along so well. It's all I drink. His bourbon collection would put me in the poorhouse. His bourbon collection is unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> like, it is. It's, it's, it's magnificent. I mean, it puts any bourbon collection to shame. I know. Right? Um, but but we, we, do, we, do, uh, we do enjoy that. So uh, November 30th, 6 p.m., you can go to our website, Cyber Hub Podcast, social media, or just DM me to attend. I'll send you a private Zoom link. Um, you're just going to go on there unaired, just us hanging out, veterans only. We'll share war stories. We'll drink a little bit. We'll, we'll close out November and pray that December of 2020 will be the last month of this year. And really like the last of this year. Like, Oh, seriously, this dumpster fire. I wish it would just go out. I'm so looking forward to the new not normal. I guess this is the best I, way I, I'm looking to go and back to what we were mm-hmm. in January of this year, where our biggest problem was the Citrix vulnerability and the fact that RSA was in February for whatever godforsaken reason <laughs> that was. It seemed like every year they push RSA up by a month, and you're like, what are you guys doing? What's happening here? Stop it. You, you know what I'm looking forward to? 
not having to spend 30 minutes of my time deleting junk email from people and uh, explaining to people on LinkedIn why sending attachments and links from known strangers to a CISO is a bad idea. That's what I'm looking forward to. The onslaught, of as I call it. The onslaught Just, of messages? Yeah. yeah. You know, if anyone sends me an attachment in LinkedIn, I kind of always go go back to it and I go, why are you doing this? Yeah. I typically have the, the side dog face, like, really? So. Especially when it's a vendor. Here's our, oh, here's our, it's all, it always is. Yeah. He's our one pager about how great we are. And I'm like, Oh God, Here, double click this PDF on LinkedIn. You're like, no, no one's trained you. You're untrained. If Chris Roberts heard this conversation right now, he'd have a post this long on LinkedIn about it. He, he has had posts that long <laughs> on it. It's hilarious because he, he has like, I typically have no filter, but you know, I, I, I do have to be selective. Want to say he's just like, Hey, let's go ahead and put it out there. I love that guy. Me too. I, I, I truly love Chris. All right, Daniel, thank you so much. Folks, that's it for another Absolute Veteran November. Chance. November 30th, 6 p.m., Veterans Only Hangout. This week, Thanksgiving week, um, I'm being thankful for the people. My birthday was on Saturday and up until Thanksgiving. I'm airing episodes of people I'm thankful that have helped me become a better cybersecurity guy. Um, and also veterans. They happen to all be veterans. They just happen to all be that. I don't know why. Um, maybe it's just the fact that what Daniel just said, that we help each other and support each other is absolutely 100% true. That's it for us here, folks. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you so much for listening to and Make sure you subscribe. Until next time, folks, James Hazel here signing off. Wishing you all lots of great health. Happy Thanksgiving. God bless this country. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast and share it with your friends and colleagues. And get all the latest information at cyberhubpodcast.com.